If you have your Bible, please turn to First Chronicles 16.6. I meant 16.8. This verse is split, split into three parts. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make his deeds known among the people. Let's talk about that first part. Give thanks unto the Lord. We're giving, th we're giving thanks unto the Lord. The next part is call upon his name. Only he can help you. Nothing else can help you. Only God. Amen. And part three is make his deeds known among the people. Don't just, don't just say that. Don't just say thanks. Show it in everything you do. If someone did something for me, the thing that I would probably do is say thanks and then give them a gift do something for them. But I feel like but I feel like everyone has done I feel like everyone has done something where they're where they're only saying things not showing it. I think that we can all use this in every single bit of our lives. If you have your Bibles, turn to First Corinthians sixteen eight. Thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. So the first part, give thanks. Uh, give thanks unto the Lord upon his name. So, uh, give thanks and uh, to, to him and give thanks to God and then uh, can you turn to first Thessalonians 518. And it says, in everything give thanks, 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks for everything. And then uh, turn to uh, Psalms 104. says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So when you uh, go to God, uh, be thankful and bless him. And that's what I have. So I'm going to be talking about thankful. Um, so if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke 17, 11 to 19. And it says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go shew the, yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that was, he was healed, turned back and, went, and with a loud voice glorified God. And, one, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, said, Where are there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save the stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. So my first point is be thankful even when no one else is. So um, there was ten people that Jesus healed, and only one of them came back. We should be that one person who came back. And... Uh, Turn to Mark 5, 1 to 12. And it says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of Gardarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tomb a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains he had plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broke in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to, to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, say, asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that would not send them away out of the country. 
Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into him. And uh, now go to verse 18. And it says, And when he was coming to the ship that had been possessed with the devil, prayed him that he might be with him. Albeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis that how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. So here, um, there was a guy who had devils in him, and um, he started out not as a great man, but eventually God changed him into a, a great man, and he went and told a lot of people about Jesus. So we need, we don't just want to be thankful, we have to show that we're thankful. He, he was thankful that uh, God had healed him, but he showed that he was thankful and told a bunch of people about Jesus. And then now turn to Luke 5, verse 17. And it says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town in Galilee, and Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought a bed in a bed in a bed. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by that what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tilling of with the and let him down through the tilling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus per perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into the, thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up wherein he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and, the, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. So here we need to be thankful for good friends. This man had some really good friends who trusted Amen. Jesus to heal him. And we need to be um, and have good friends, and we just need to be thankful if we do have good friends. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation 12, verse 7. Uh, so Andy talked to us a while back and said, "Make up a, um, or come up with a message about thankfulness, because it's the month of Thanksgiving, right?" And I was going back and forth and back and forth on what I should preach, and then I finally came up with the, "Be thankful for your story." So in Revelation 12 verse 7 it says, "And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven." And the great dragon was cast out, that the old, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into earth. And his angels were cast out with him. 
And I heard a loud voice saying, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. So today I'm going to be sharing my story with you guys, which my story is probably going to relate to a lot of you in this room. I've grown up, Christian home, good parents, never really had to worry if I was going to eat dinner that night. I've grown up with what you could call the good life. I've grown up kind of, people could view it as a boring testimony, what I have. Uh, something that's not really going to like grasp your attention or that's a really exciting testimony or something. It's just the same old, same old, grew up in a Christian home, all that stuff. But it's really not. God gave me this story for a reason. God gave me this story to connect with other people who have the same story that I do. Because for a while, I grew up and I was, I was so scared to share my testimony because I did think it was, that, it was just that lame, didn't really matter testimony. But then this year at camp, I was talking to one of my counselors, um, at not the camp that I come with the church, but his name is Tim Marshall. And I was talking to him and I was like, I've never really told people my story because I've never really felt the need to because it's just a boring story. I, I use other illustrations if I can. But then he was like, you need to use your story because your story means something. God gave you that story for a reason. And I've been having the flesh that I have and being a human, I've dipped into the world. I've done things that I regret. I, I can tell you from experience that it's not worth it. The Christian life is much more worth anything that the world can give you. And I realized that this summer that my story really does matter. And even though it is that boring story, like I know several people sitting on this pulpit or on this stage with me that have a more interesting story, you could say. But my story is still a story. So church, make sure that you remember to use your story, no matter how boring it may sound, because it says in Revelation 12, that our story is put with the blood of the lamb. How cool is that? Ours, like their testimony, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Our story is literally put right next to the blood of the lamb. And that's Jesus we're talking about. So I mean, pretty cool dude. So church, just make sure you remember to use your story no matter how boring it may sound. So last week, a uh, preacher asked me, he was like, hey, can you preach Deaf Church? I was like, yeah, sure. So came up with the, with the message, thankful for the cross. The next week, I'm here supposed to be preaching about thankfulness. So I thought, why not preach it to the deaf, deaf people, get a little practice from that so I could stand up here and preach this. You got your Bibles, turn to Colossians uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 12. And while you're turning there, I just want to thank Brother Andy and, and Preacher for allowing me to have this opportunity to uh, preach up here and just having the opportunity to, to preach with these boys. First, uh, in uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse, tw uh, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made, uh, made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of saints' light, 
who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us to the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even forgiveness of his sins. So what Paul is saying here is, you know, through Jesus dying on the cross, right? Jesus, Jesus died on the cross through him, through the, what he did on the cross. He has translated, in verse 13, he has translated us from the darkness to the light. And so now, now I want to bring the, the, the attention to the cross and what he did for us on the cross. So for time's sake, I'm just going to turn to John 19, verse, uh, verse 17 through 20. And he, bearing his cross, went forward to a place, a place called a skull, which is called, in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him. And on either side, one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Jews. And the title then read, Many of the Jews, for a place where Jesus was crucified was nigh into the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. So I got three things that I'm really thankful for when it comes to the cross. Number one, I'm thankful that he died for me. Amen. You know, he, he, took, he took all my sins, he took all my burdens, and, and, he, and, he, and he just, he, he, his red blood took my black heart and made it white as snow. Amen. You know, I, I'm a, I say I'm a pretty decently big guy, I'm 6'2", 205 maybe around there. I'm a pretty, pretty decent sized guy, but when you... At the end of the day, when you look, take a look at the whole solar system, you can't even see me. I'm just a speck on the earth. But yet he loves me so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for me. Man, when I think about that, I think about the blood of what Jesus did for me. When they, when I, when they, when they, when they scourged him, when they persecuted him, they, they wrapped him around, they took his clothes off, they, they put him on a tree or stump or, or, or a rock, and they whipped him. And when they, when they stoned him, and when they put the crown of thorns on his brow, when they hung him on the cross, when, he, when they hung him on the cross, he gave me the gift of eternal life. And number two, and I'm thankful for what he said. And in Luke 30, uh, 23, verse 34, then Jesus said, and then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment. And they cast lots. No matter, the, the Romans, they, they took him and they put a cross right here. And they, put a cro and they put a nail right here. And they overlapped his feet and they put a nail right there. Right into the cross. They plucked his beard. They spit on him. They, they cursed him. They, did, they, did, they tormented him. They, they persecuted him. And yet he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Jesus, Jesus said that. They, they, he could have he he just said, you know what, forget this, I'm going to heaven, you know, I'm, I'm done, I don't, I don't have to do this. No, 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 but what Jesus said, he looked upon that hill, he bore his cross. It's not smooth, it was rugged, so he probably had splinters in his back. He bore his cross, and he walked up that hill. And he said, forgive them, for they know what they do. Man, no matter how many, how many times I mess up, no matter how many times, you know, I failed him, he's, still, he's, gonna, he's gonna stand there waiting with wide open arms, waiting for me to run to him. And he's going to forgive me. And number three, and what I'm thankful for is what he will do. Not only because of his actions, you know, what he di dying on the cross. Not only of what he said, but also of the sealed promise. Which is, it is finished. He, sa he has saved, and he will save. And he will continue to save. 
And now let me tell you about this story of a bus kid named Aiden. So we, we, we have a bus around, Brother Justin, he leads that. We pick up a kid named Aiden. He's been coming to our church for a little while. And I believe I was preaching a message. And his face, you could tell he wanted to be saved. So he raised his hand for salvation. Brother Robbie took him up to a room. He was dealing with two boys. And as soon as I dismissed the kids, I went into the room. I grabbed Aiden. I, put him in, I, I took him to the preacher's office. And I explained to him the sto- how, how Jesus died for us. He sat there. And he was, he was you know, debating on what he wanted to do. So I told him, I, I, told him, I was like, hey, we can, we can continue this or we can go home. It's up to you. I'm not going to force this upon you. But he was determined. So we sat there, and I, I showed him the Bible. I didn't, it wasn't my words. It wasn't anybody else's words. It was the Bible. It was God, what God said. And he got saved. Praise the Lord. I, he got saved. And as soon as, he, as soon as he got saved, he jumped up. He said, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. He jumped on me. He hugged me. I gave him a hug. And, man, when I got home, I cried. It's that bus kid, Aiden. I know, his, I know his story. He got saved. His face lit up. I could tell by his face. And on Jesus, you could see the love on his face. You could see it by the beard that was plucked from his face. You could see it by the blood that was running down from his face from the crown. You could see it by the tears in his eyes when he hung on that cross. That's how you could see the love. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He showed us the love on his face 2,000 years ago so that we could see the joy like we did on Aiden's face. And that's all I have. Thank you for listening to that. Uh, first of all, I just want to say I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to preach tonight. And I'm also thankful for all the people who prayed and um, supported us as we took our missions trip to Africa. So I'm just going to talk about that for a few minutes. Um, man, it was, it was life-changing for me. It really um, changed my perspective of life and a lot of things. You know, me growing up in a Christian home, being in church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and a lot of other times being a pastor's kid just in church all the time, you know. And so many times we take church and it becomes ritual. We come in, we sing our hymns. Um, we fellowship a little bit, we hear a message, and then we go home, and that's church. But I get to Africa, and the first service I go to, we step into this building. It's a, it's a little concrete building. It's got straw. That's the roof to protect you from the sun. And you've got a few holes in the windows to allow a little breezing because of how hot it is. And we get there, and we just wait for people to get there. Well, what you don't realize is the people that are getting there, they're walking 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, with maybe no shoes on. They're lucky if they have shoes. Um, and they, they walk with barefoot on rocky roads with rocks, these little spike things, and just to, just to come worship the Lord and hear his word. And they go to start the service the first time I was there, and all of a sudden, um, this guy has a little, um, they call, I think they have a little like bongo drum. He just starts hitting it. He starts a little beat and then he just starts singing. Well, when they start singing, they, they sing this song for like 10 minutes. Uh, and I'm like, oh man, our, our songs are like maybe three minutes, four minutes, depending on the length of the song. Well, they sing, they start singing, they sing 10 minutes. And obviously I don't know the language they're speaking in, but then I'm like, okay, maybe they're done. So now we're gonna hear a message, but no, they keep singing. But 
the thing about the song is it's not just a song to them. They're singing because they genuinely love the Lord. Amen. And you can see that in their actions and the way they um, live their life. I mean, these people have nothing. They have one set of clothes, and they have shoes if they have, if they have a pair, if they're lucky enough. And their house, I got to walk into one of the huts there. Their house, you walk in, and you um, pull back the little cloth, and they maybe have the size of, like, a cabinet or something. And that's their living room, as you would say. And you look to your right, and you look to your left, and there may there may be one or two, but there's maybe just a little straw bed on the ground that they get to sleep in at night. And that's their house. They have no electricity. And just as little things we take for granted. We, we're so blessed and privileged as Americans, you know. And we take that a lot for granted. And um, one thing that really hit me is, like, what are we doing with the stuff we have? You know, how are we using that to uh, share the gospel with others? How are we using that to be a light to others and share the love of Jesus? And I'm not going to lie, I went there expecting to be a blessing to other people. But, man, they, they were a blessing to me. Um, I actually got to take two missions trips in one. Uh, we get to actual Zambia, and we were there three or four days. And me and another guy from our church got to split off and go to what they call the bush of Africa. And what that is is there's no civilization. They have their huts everywhere. And, I mean, they have the ocean. That's their water. Or the little lake. That's their water. And um, I get it, I, we get on this little plane, and we travel like two hours. And trust me, none of y'all in this room would have gotten on that plane. You would have been scared for your life. And then we get there, and we um, go, and we get in this tore-up van. There's like no windows in this van. And we start driving down this road, and I'm like, there's no road. It's just grass. How, where, where are we going? And he just starts driving through the grass, you know, and rocks. And you're just like, like shaking the entire time in the vehicle. And I got, I got stuck with two other guys in the back, and we're just shaking the entire time, you know. And, I mean, just a little thing to take for granted, you know, like we complain that there's a pothole in the road here, you know. And uh, so we're going, and then we get to the place um, where we had to split off and get in a boat. Well, we get in this boat, and I'm, I'm 100% positive it had to have been along the same boat that Jesus slept in when he said, peace be still. Like, you get on it, and that thing looked ancient, I tell you. And then... We get on the boat, and I lean over and look on the bottom of the boat, and there's just water coming through the boat. There's a huge hole, so definitely was questioning my safety. But anyway, we get there, and we get to the place we're going, and we get to our first village. And I, I look at the island, and there's these kids standing there. And these kids are just, like, waving. They're so excited. And half of them are in the water, half of them are laying just waiting for us. Well, we get there, and I get off the boat, and it's like you're a magnet. The kids just run to you and, like... I probably had like five or six kids on each hand just come and grab your hand, just with the biggest smile on your face. And then what, um, what we got to do is we got to bring some basketballs and soccer balls. Their soccer ball is a little plat. It's like they take some plastic, some old stuff, and they get some straw, and they wrap it up, and that's their soccer ball. And we bring some $5 soccer balls from like five below, and that was like a million dollars to them. Like their face lit up. And, man, I, I get to... And then one thing about the boat ride I forgot to mention is we had a bunch of kids get on the boat from their school. And their school is not what you think about here. I mean, they have, they, I think they get one set of school clothes. And, I mean, they, they teach them a little bit of English and stuff. But these little school kids, these little orphans get on, get on the boat. And we're driving, or we're not, we're not driving. We're sailing. And these kids are seeing God is so good. And hearing these kids seeing God is so good hit me, like, like nothing's ever hit me before. I, I have so much, and these kids don't have much, and they're singing about how good our God is. And Amen. I mean, 
so many, so many of us as Americans, we just take for granted when um, I mean, we, get, we get offended and we stop going to church. I mean, seriously, these people got nothing and they're thinking about how good their God is. If we could just get a hold of that, every single one of our lives would be changed. And um, anyway, just getting to show love to these kids who have nothing. Their parents don't love them. They're put to the side and just getting to sit there and just, just give them a hug, you know, and just show them that Christ's love through us and getting to show them that just honestly, I mean, it'll change your life as you're being able to affect others, you know. And we were able to see over 200 people saved on this trip. And we went, we went to one village, and that village had never heard the gospel. We, got, we walk around the village, and they just yell, they yell for kids to come out. We had 108 kids, I believe, and over 70 of them got saved. And it, it was amazing. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I wish every single one, every single one of y'all in this room would have gotten to experience it. But the trip was truly amazing. I'm thankful for the people um, who prayed for us and supported us. And now I just want to give you a little challenge from God's word. If you will, turn to Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter 4. And I think this verse, Philippians 4.11, really, really sums up what I learned. And it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, there to be content. And a lot of times we stop there, and, we're, and we read that verse, and we stop. But we need to keep reading. If you look in the next verse, it goes, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Uh, I didn't know what that word abased or abound meant, but I went and looked it up. And that word abased means low. It's that lowest point in your life. And that word abound means to be full. So we have that analogy of um, being full of joy and having nothing, you know. And the context of this passage, if you look at the book of Philippians, the person who wrote this was Paul. And where was Paul at in this passage? He was in jail. He had nothing. He had just gotten thrown in jail for preaching God's word. And he's writing us the book of joy. I mean, that, that in itself just makes the passage pop out even more to you. That he's telling us, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He found contentment not because of this world's goods. He found contentment not because of his relationships in life. He found contentment because his joy is in God. He lived for God. He lived for his creator, who, as we heard earlier, died on the cross for our sins and showed his love on Calvary for us. And um, I, got to, I got to speak to um, the pastors there, which that in itself, that, that, that'll change your life just watching them. The pastors there, they have, they have nothing. They, they traveled three, three, four hours, and there was, there, there was these four pastors that traveled on one motorcycle all together from a different country and drove four days on a motorcycle just to get to grow in their faith and love because they love Jesus Christ and hear preaching. And I mean, that, that stuff will change your life. But anyway, I got to speak to these people about life in a pastor's kid's home because the family there is completely different. Husbands don't know how to love their wives and the parents don't know how to love their children. They're just, they're just objects. They're, they're nothing special to them. So I got to speak and just talk about how God's been good to me and how I have parents that love me and uh, want to see me grow in my Christian life. And I was just talking. I didn't have any notes or anything. And I just, I, I met, I, the Lord must have put on my heart. I made the statement. I said, when you rely on God for everything, he becomes your everything. And I mean, that, that's so true for those people. And I wish it could become true for us. We have so many distractions in, in this world. And if we just relied on God for everything, we would, we would never be sad. We're, our, the joy of God in our life would be ever-flowing. And that joy of salvation, that he died on the cross for our sins, we, we would never be sad. We would all be f full of the joy of the Lord. And I got to see that in people's lives that have nothing. 
And I think a lot of times we, we get caught up in everything that we forget what our main purpose in this life is. And that's to serve God and to love him and have that joy in our life so we can share to others who don't have that love. And um, back to the passage, it says, I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. I think Paul, out of all the people in the Bible, would know, would know that. He's been in the lowest point of his life, and he's also had some mountaintops. And I really think that's the Christian life. We have, we'll have a mountaintop experience, and we get in the valley, and then that mountain's coming. But so many times we forget God on the mountain, and we don't, we don't need him until we get in the valley. But that's so wrong. If we, just, if we always relied on God for everything, that valley would not seem as hard as it is because we'd have that true God or that true um, joy um, of God in our lives in the mountain and in the valley. But, and Paul goes, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. And um, it just all goes back, for I have learned in what sort of state I am there to be content. So um, that's all I got, but I just want to challenge you I, um, to just have that joy of the Lord in you, no matter what you're going through in life. The, I, know, I, I realize we have hard times, and I, we are blessed, but we have hard times. It's the Christian life. The devil tempts us, the devil, the devil hits us, you know, and, but we, we have God, and we have our true source of joy in him. It says in the same chapter and a few verses earlier, um, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, and again I say rejoice. It says rejoice in the Lord, not rejoice in anything else, rejoice in the Lord. So I just want to challenge you to rejoice in the Lord in the good and the bad times.
neon lights and stained glass windows, old bar stools and back row pews. I ran to one more than the other, but I couldn't outrun you. Trying to fill up all the empty, trying to numb the pain inside, thinking you'd never forgive me for all those Saturday nights. But thank God for Sunday morning, thank God for 316, and the words in red that say you bled and gave your life for me. Thank God for a choir singing and a voice saying, come back home. Saturday night looked like the end of the story, but thank God for Sunday morning. Now I know that you're no stranger to the broken hearts like mine. It's what you do, yes, somehow you bring dead things back to life. And it might look like it's as over as a stone over a grave. But I've seen you move, I'm living proof. You still roll stones away. Thank God for Sunday morning. Thank God for 316 and the words in red that say you bled and gave your life for me. Thank God for a choir singing and a voice saying, come back home. Saturday night looked like the end of the story, but thank God for Sunday morning. Sunlight through the stained glass windows Feels like freedom on my face. It really is a new beginning. It really is amazing grace. Thank God for Sunday morning. Thank God for 316. And the words in red that say you bled and gave your life for me. Thank God for a choir singing and a voice saying, Come back home. Saturday night looked like the end of the story. Yes, Saturday night looked like the end of the story. Mm, but thank God for Sunday morning. Thank God for Sunday morning.